You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. Our mission is to reach people, release heaven, and restore culture, sharing in the love of Jesus and all we do. We hope you enjoy this message. <laughs> Thank you guys for praying. That was an unexpected kindness. And, uh, and it is good. Sometimes we do get tired. And, uh, and so it's good. Uh, Elizabeth has been away these last couple of days visiting some friends from high school. And so I've had a chance to take care of the girls by myself as a dad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, after dinner time, we've been turning out all the lights in the house, you know, and it's been dark out early, and uh, and playing you know, flashlight tag, uh, which is which is so much fun. Um, and then we've been playing another one called Not at the Museum, where uh, you know you're moving around the house, and if you get the flashlight shown on you, you have to stop in like a statue pose, kind of some type of thing that you'd see in the museum doing. That kind of thing, and uh, you know, and, and so it's fun seeing the girls like hiding behind things as you turn the corner and they're there, or and then whatever else might be. But uh, we've had so much fun uh, doing that kind of stuff, and so that you know, playfulness is one of the antidotes to, to tiredness, by the way. You know, uh, and so having five girls around is an opportunity for both. <laughs> so, uh, so that's been a lot of fun. We we're going to. Um, Take a bit of a, an adventure today, uh, and and set us up for um, for life in the Lord that is not always uh, the thing that we lead with in ministry, but it's something that that we need to speak into. Um, and so today is going to be not necessarily for everyone and where you currently are, uh, but uh, you will be. And uh, and so we're going to have a little bit of fun. <clears throat> um, we're actually going to start with where John just in, uh, ended up at the Last Supper. And I, I, I can't speak of what a privilege it is that we have uh, those words. Uh, so, you know, this is like, uh, this is the insider's inside meeting that's going on. You know, if you were like me and a kid growing up, you know, there was always like the cool crowd that, that I was never in. <laughs> you, know, you looked into it, you know. Um, the, uh, the author C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he talks about uh, the inside circle, about how there's a longing in all people to be included in the place where the stuff happens, you know, that the secrets go on, the boardroom, whatever that might be for you. You know, it, it's, it's the thing in the place uh, where it happens. You know, uh, I, I don't know what that is for you. Maybe that's being on the judges panel for the uh, Great British Baking Show and and being the ones that get to decide. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, this is the Son of God in, in this Last Supper meeting, having the insiders meeting with uh, the, the governmental authority for the whole universe. You know, the, the whole of the government was going to rest upon the shoulders of these apostles and begin what we now know as the apostolic succession, begin to know now what we know is the, the foundation of the church built upon the prophets and the apostles upon Jesus Christ. Um, and so this, was, this is finally getting behind the, the curtains. And if you've ever wanted to be you know, included, if you've ever wanted to feel like you're the, the inside person, uh, every time you open up your scriptures, every time you open up your scriptures and seek the Lord, you are included. Uh, if you've ever wanted to be important, every time you open up your scriptures and pray, you have an audience with God himself. And this is pulling back the curtain to the point where Jesus, he speaks intimately to his friends. And to kind of give just a bit of a pullback uh, as to what has happened to this point, Jesus came and, uh, and he began to reveal what his kingdom is like. He began to overturn the very laws of nature. Uh, by turning water into wine, uh, you know, by, by showing what abundance of joy looks like at a wedding, uh, began to, to heal the, the sick, the blind. He began to show, hey, his, his kingdom, the kingdom of God himself, is full of healing. It's a deliverance place, and so demons are being cast out. And, and joy and, and the, the, the mystery of this man was, was growing in fame and stature everywhere that he went. And, and so 
crowds would follow him, even into the desert, even into their own detriment. For days they would be without food. They didn't care because they were experiencing the grace, the actual presence of God through this man. And they wanted all of that. And, and there came a point in Jesus' ministry where he challenged those that were following him. You, you start seeing it in John 6, and you see it in other places where he begins to say things like, you know, you came because you wanted fullness of belly, because I'm, I'm multiplying bread and, and fish, and that's nice, you know, but you're not actually getting the point. You know, the, the real hunger that you have is in believing in me, and so therefore to do so, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And that's a hard saying. They didn't know what that meant. And he thinned the crowds out. And then at that time, Peter said, you know, you are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. Uh, you are the Christ. You're the Son of God. And as soon as Peter says that, from that point forward, Jesus begins to declare, and for the rest of his life that he was here on earth, declares almost only and exclusively his death. As, as Christians, we hear about Jesus. We, we may be, uh, at whatever stage of life that we come to know him initially, you know, we become aware that there's, there's something else out there besides the life that we have been living, of striving, of violence maybe, of, of emptiness, and we become aware of, of God. And, and then we, we know through Jesus that that life and that satisfaction is answered through believing in him. And this is salvation. And, and so there's just this, this time of wonder, this time of amazement as, as we first awaken to God, and, and all we want to do is become saturated with him. And so you know, we, we move into like stage two of our uh, development. You know? and, and these are stages that classically throughout church history, they have begun to, what's it like to grow into fullness of Jesus? And so you first become illumined, and then, and then you, just, you, you get to the scriptures, or you get to around small groups, and you just you want to know more and more and more about this Jesus, more about our God, more about what it's life, like to live with him. And you just can't get enough. You know, and, and it's like you, you read the Bibles, whereas before, you're like, this is the most boring book ever. Suddenly, you're having conversations with God, and everything that you read is the most satisfying, wondrous word that you could possibly think of. Like, our Father, our, our, our. And you worship. And, and it changes your life. And, and it becomes so infectious within you that you move to stage three, which is, I just, I just want to, like, do things for God all the time. And you begin to move into that. And many of us are, are in these stages at some different point. All we want to do is tell people about how great Jesus is. We, we want to we serve everywhere we go. We want to make sure that, the, that we're the ones that are picking up the trash. We're cleaning the feed. We want the lowest of the positions. We want to be in those places because that's what God has done for us. And, and we know it. And we want to see him revealed through our lives. And we want to see the miracles. We pray for people. And we see people healed. And it's amazing. And it excites us. And it fuels us. And we keep on doing it. Keep on, keep on, keep on. And then we hit a point where we hear, like, somewhere within us, yeah, but there's more. And as soon as we say, yeah, I know, Jesus, you're, you're the son of God. Like, all things are more in you. He says, all right, well, come and die. And there, there's a journey, classically, called the journey inward, you know, where, where that more is answered through becoming reflective and, and beginning to, to fellowship with Jesus. And this portion of the scriptures here from John chapter 13 to 17 especially helps us to see what this pathway is like. As Jesus came, uh, he, would, he would say cryptic things, um, you know, like a, a servant's not above his master, um, the things that happened to me happened to you. Uh, in John 13, 17, he becomes explicit with exactly what that looks like. And so, you know, in, in some places around the world, uh, whenever the scriptures are, are read, uh, because these are, these are the very words of God, the, the whole congregation would stand, you know, and, and, uh, and, and hear them. Because when we hear these words that I'm about to read, these are the words that God gave to Jesus. And, and when Jesus spoke these words, these are the very gifts of God. God gave Jesus gifts, and these gifts were his words. And when we receive these words, when we take them for what they are, this is the very counsel of God. This is the insider's inside of, of the, the whole authority of the universe. When we take them as such, we receive that which we need for life, that which affects us, that, that which transforms us, that which makes us like God himself um, through Christ. And so you don't have to do that. But I'm, I'm going to read these things with that sense of expectancy. You know, when, when we hear the word of God, Isaiah will say to tremble at these words, uh, to let them affect us to the point where it's almost like we, we're, we're going to melt. 
And, and, and we're all different places like that, so you don't have to like work yourself up into it. But I'm going to tell you, so Jesus has, has allowed his disciples to go through those first three stages. They perform the miracles, um, and, and then they go to this like, kind of lonely house in Jerusalem. Um, it's been almost like secretly prepared. Remember, there, there's crowds of thousands wanting to see him, and so he needs some place where there's no one going to be. And, and, and this mysterious man is there filling up water, like John said, this humble man. And so he's prepared a place for the Son of God, and, and no one else knows about it. And, and that's, that's a curious thing. And, and so this life that we have in Jesus at some point becomes quite a secret place, quite a secret journey within us. And, and you guys have, may have heard other Christians talk about the secret place within your own life, the, the inner world of transformation. Um, whatever happens in the secret place is that which will therefore transform, for, transform your life. I, I just want to say that this Last Supper is an example of what the, the secret life is like. Because Jesus is going to take these disciples and turn them into family. And so if you want to know what family is like, let's look at how Jesus approaches this. So looking into chapter 15, he starts with verse 11. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And so these words that he's speaking, again, getting behind the curtain, behind the scenes, this is for your joy. Right? And, and it's within the context of he's been talking about death now for some number of weeks. I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And I'm saying these words to you so that your joy would be complete. So within this backdrop of death, there exists joy. This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. That sounds great. Verse 13, no one has greater love than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And, and you have to, we, we've heard it so many times that we don't quite capture the emotion of this. Jesus is about to die for these men that are around him. And he's, he's saying, in the midst of about to go through his own death, he, he looks at these men in the eye, and he says, no greater love has a man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. And, and he's, he's looking at them plainly, telling you, I'm about to die for you. And, and there's no greater love than this. This is my joy complete, that I die for you. Love looks like me dying for you right now. Joy complete looks like me going through death for you right now. You are my friends if you do what I command, what I just command, to love. To love, therefore, means to lay my life down. So you're my friends if you lay your life down. So you're my friends if you also die. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You do not choose, choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you would go out and produce fruit, fruit that should remain, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he will give it to you. And this is what I command, to love one another. The fruit that Jesus is asking for is coming in the context of death, which will produce joy, and this is what the fruit looks like. And so in this conversation of death and love, this is how fruit is produced. If the world hates you, Understand that it hated me before it hated you. So again, this is preparing his disciples for him leaving and also for their life after him. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word that I spoke to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted you, they will also persecute. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would have also kept yours. But they will all do these things to you on my account, on account of my name, because they don't know you. And then he goes on, and he talks about this, the counselor coming. When the counselor comes, the, the comforter or the helper, um, the spirit of truth, he will testify about me and also be in you. And then verse 4 of chapter 16, he says, But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you may remember that I told you about these things. Uh, because they will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering service to God. So let me just pause right now. He's, he's about to leave his disciples. He says that in order to have joy that is full, in order to fill love, um, I'm going to die for you. And if you come after me, I want you to also die for one another. There's joy in this. So, so wait for the, the final part of it, because that seems a little somber. 
And, and it is. It is, it is absolutely somber for his, his disciples. They are in a, a state of great sorrow. They are being uh, reckoned with the reality that their, their savior, their best friend, the love of their life is about to die. And, and now they're starting to get the message a little bit. But he's telling them, I need to prepare you because as it happened to me, so also will it happen to you. As I have gone through death, if you follow me for joy's sake, you also will go through death. And I've told you these things so when the time comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Like a good dad or a good shepherd, he's doing these things to prepare us. Um, in this world, you will have troubles. He's about to tell us also in another place. And so typically, those first three stages of the Christian life the, the champagne and the wine and the miracles and the explosive new life that we have is amazing and it's exciting. At some point, the, the call comes and it says, hey, come, come and follow me and die. Come to this inner secret place where I'm calling you to suffer. I'm just laying out the theology for it. I'm going to show you some illustrations from Scripture here in just a bit. Um, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to know me, I'm going to ask that you share in my death. Share in what I go through in sufferings. And so in 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing the immaturity of the believers there. And there's envy. There, people are saying, hey, I follow Paul. I, I follow Peter. There, there's already division within the church. I follow Bill Johnson. You know, I follow the Reformed crowd. You know, I'm, I'm a Calvinist. I'm an Arminian. The, the, you know, the, the, the divisions are there. And, and he talks about how there's this wisdom that's there for the mature. And, and he, he is rebuking them, saying, hey, this shouldn't be there. You, I'm, I'm going to have you guys know that there's, there's wisdom that you guys have right now, which is you know, about the, the, the power of God and, and the resurrection and these kind of things. But, but I want to be able to show you what, what mature wisdom looks like. And I'm, I'm going to make the argument from here forth that the wisdom of the mature is to suffer. Um, because... Paul, as an apostle, then for the next two letters, which are his apostolic, main apostolic letters as Corinthians, he, he talks about what it's actually like to follow the Lord as an apostle, which is suffering. And, and he, he goes, this is what it lo looks like. You're, you're going you're gonna to have to experience you know, death. You're going to have to, to look at uh, my life and imitate it if you want to have uh, the kind of life that, that you see within me. So in chapter 3, for instance, in verse 6, now, brothers, I've applied these things, these teachings about suffering and all that to myself and to Apollos for your uh, benefit. Um, you know, <laughs> nothing beyond what is written. Uh, so the purpose is that none of you will be inflated with pride in favor of one person over another. So Paul is teaching that at times when we're immature, we can think of this teacher or this person or this father in the, in the faith as better than, than mine. And we see this right now in the Christian church at large all over the course, all over the place, where we are divided around denomination, we're divided around uh, whether or not we think this theology is better than one another, and, and that's all immature teaching. We, we have arguments around the church at large in America and around the world about, about different issues, and that's, that's a mark plainly of what Paul says is immaturity. Um, the, the voices that you don't hear are the voices that have become quiet or even invisible like the Lord in many ways. And, and so there, there's a hidden secret life that begins to develop after a time where you cease to argue. You, you cease, like Jesus, on his way to the cross, became like a lamb. And, and the reason why Jesus was able to do this is that he, like in the desert, for instance, he was tested in every way that, that he could have been tested. And he told the devil, hey, listen, I'm not living on bread, so you can take all the food from me that you want to. I'm not living on power, so you can you know, take all the power that you want to. I'm, I'm not living on being spectacular or anything like that. You, you can take all these things that you want to. But I live on the word of God, and I live not to test him, and I, I live to worship him alone. And his inner life had been so transformed, and the way that we see that he was transformed was through uh, the, the book of Hebrews. Um, in verse, chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, with us in our weaknesses, but one who was tested in every way as we were without sin. 
And another place in Hebrews, it says that it was through his suffering that he learned obedience. It was through what he suffered that he learned obedience. So it was through the, the very things of pain and death that he went through that he received the words of God, the words that he's now speaking to his friends in John chapter 15 and 16 and other places. So in order for Jesus to receive these words, to learn obedience, to be the one who is the Savior, he had to go through that. And let me get really specific with that um, in the word for you. So in Hebrews chapter 2, as it is, we do not see everything subjected to him yet, but we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering and death. And then in verse 10, for in bringing many sons to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God and all things exist for him and through him, should make the source of our salvation perfect through sufferings. And so for Jesus to become our source of salvation, so our source of healing, our source of deliverance, our source of life, he had to go through sufferings. And so we, all of us, one of the rewards of his life, of his being our source, is that we get joy. Joy that's indescribable, hope that's indescribable. And the way to enter into that is through suffering. According to this, as he went through suffering, and that word in, in, uh, in Hebrews 4.15, he's able to sympathize with us, is also the same word for suffering. And so Jesus, who suffered to become the source of our salvation, suffers with us still. It's a present uh, tense verb. In the midst of our suffering, knowing how, therefore, to intercede for us, to give us the words that he received to have salvation for others. Paul goes on through First and Second Corinthians, make a big study of this if you want to, that the way that he received the anointing that he needs and, and that, that his church has needed was by going through suffering, by, by, by experiencing this inner form of death and dying and going through it in a really honest way. And so Jesus is setting a table literally to help create joy, anointing, life for his disciples who would therefore do it for others as they went through death for other people. And so the pattern is Jesus went through death, died on a cross, invites us to death, and as we go through it, we receive the comfort that everyone else around us need to give away to them. And so are you guys getting the logic of that? It's a, it's a really big deal. Okay, and so what he shows is that a family table is honest about their pain. A family table actually talks openly about their pain. And I would argue strongly on this point that what unites us across all skin color, socioeconomic statics, you know, Christian or not, is pain. You have gone through pain in your own unique way that is very similar, maybe not in the depth or breadth, but it's very similar to people that have gone through pain in a very different culture that you've gone through. And what unites us together as a people across all of humanity is pain. And, and, and that, is, that is a fact of humanity. That, that is a fact of this broken, troubled world that we are all living in. What the world does not have, though, for, therefore, in the middle of that pain, though, is the comfort that comes only from God, only from Jesus that leads to things like joy and hope and healing and deliverance. And the only way for us to get there is to go through it. The only way for us to have that comfort to give is to go through the affliction to get there. The only way for us to have joy fully, as Jesus has it said here, is for us to experience the death that Christ went through. And so be ready for it. Do not be surprised, James would said, by these trials that come. And, and for those that are walking through it or, or maybe invited into it right now, don't be surprised about this. Uh, you're not doing anything wrong. What tends to happen is that we get into the stage three where we're productive, we're doing amazing things, we're getting maybe even attention and acclaim for it. And, and that, that, that feeling of God begins to dissipate or that closeness begins to go away or something begins to shift and, and shake and, and we don't know why it is but suddenly we're not as full or not as happy or not as content or maybe we just seem lonely, maybe we're dry, whatever it is that we're going through and the answer isn't to just keep trying harder, to keep producing more. Across church history and across what Jesus is saying here, there, there comes an invitation where that is a, a, is a call to come and die. Paul going to Arabia for 14 years. Moses for 40 years in the back end of the desert. Joseph going to prison for however many years he was out there. 
allowed these guys, you know, to be able to produce, uh, you know, leadership that, that raised up kingdoms and, and planted churches, or in John's case, was able to help him be by himself for however many years in a cave writing letters. So whether it's for great things or, or, or lonely things, the call for all of that, for all of us at some point in our life is to face this inner life of death where we are going to experience suffering. That's not a prophetic call. That's what Jesus says. I'm not speaking this in a negative way over you. This is literally the word of God over you. You know, Jesus died on that cross so that we wouldn't have to die, you know, alone and abandoned and all those things. Um, it's not so that we would be taken out of the world where all these things happen. That's a common teaching that's happening right now. Because Jesus did all these things for us, we don't have to go through it. That's not true. That's not what the scriptures say. And so instead what happens is that as we follow Jesus, we recognize that at times he was lonely. Not, not lonely in the part from God, but he experienced loneliness as what he was walking through in his own humanity. Because in every way that you and I are tempted or suffer anything, he also has suffered. And so if you, you know, your, your boyfriend breaks up with you, you know, guess who kind of broke up with the Lord, you know? You know, if you've ever experienced something terrible like a child loss, you know, guess who lost his dad? Guess who lost his, his child also? The, the father. You know, if, if you've ever experienced abandonment, if you've ever experienced, you know, uh, not being included, if you've ever experienced, you know, just loneliness, guess who's been there first? And the, the literal wording there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, is that he suffers currently with you in what you go through. Going through it first by himself to receive comfort from the Father, these words. And as you receive these words of comfort, as you're honest about your pain to him, you therefore receive this anointing, these words, to help oil that pain and bring healing to that place of agitation in your life. And then once you've received it, you have something now to give to others. One of the reasons why sometimes you're going through pain is because there's people around you that need to have the anointing and comfort that you're about to receive. And no one else is able to get to the Lord except through you in that, in that, in that situation. And that, that's a strong word for you guys to, to hold on to. Um, and, and, and no one does this perfectly. You know, I, I've, I've gone through times where I, the, I can't get enough scripture. I, I'll, I'll spend hours just studying the Bible, praying. I love it. And then there's times where I don't want anything to do with it. And it's not a call to just grind it out. It's, it's not. It's a time to say, hey, God, uh, I feel completely bored when I'm with you. It's a time to say, hey, listen, you, in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I may be in your left. You know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> if you want to be included in the table, talk about your pain. In our life groups, the small groups, we were talking about, you know, I want you guys to feel the courage to, to share with one another your pain. You know, we've gone through a lot these couple of years, you know, as a nation. And as a church, we've gone through a lot. You know, uh, hey, how are you doing with that thing that happened? How are you doing with, you know, the, the, the heaviness you've been going through? And the, the um, pain that you've gone through, as you let others in on that, they may have that anointing, that comfort that you're actually to receive from them. Because sometimes God's not answering in your own prayer life because it's the person next to you that, that needs to hear it from you as you open up your own life. That, that creates humility. J Jesus, you know, if, if you guys remember from this passage, he, he's confessing, you know, uh, actually it happens in, in John uh, uh, 18. He's confessing to his friends, I need you to pray for me. Like, I, I, need, I need your help. I, I want your help. Please pray because the, the, the burden I'm experiencing is so excruciating that I'm, he's about to, you know, uh, sweat blood. Um, and so he's opening up about this, this pain. You know, it's a terrible thing. He's just opening up at the table about the, the person that's about to betray him. You know, my, my spirit is deeply troubled within me. He's telling to his best friends because one of you is about to betray me. And, and that's, that's gut level honesty. And that level of honesty, as you bring your pain up, you know, John, uh, when he was leading us a second ago to, to, to praise, um, just to let you guys know, before he said David needs prayer, I was, I was letting God know how tired I am, you know, how weak I've been. I was letting him know plainly, hey, Lord, you know, I, uh, you know I, here's that place. 
And guess what, guess what then happens? We've got a sensitive uh, leader here in John who's like, I think the Lord is saying that David needs prayer for this. I'm like, that's exactly right. I mean, we just then illustrated that. And in all honesty, that's exactly what I was doing. I was just being, on, this is where I am right now, Lord. And he comes and he gives that anointing. Praise God for that. Um, I'm going to keep on going through some more scriptures to really nail this home for you. Um, so we see also in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, that God, the Son of God himself, learned obedience through what he suffered. And I want to specify that that word suffer, um, it, it has a broad range to mean all experiences, through everything that he experienced. Typically and traditionally, and I think it's right to, to hone in on, uh, you know, kind of like the negative aspects, like it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing, you know, like uh, suffering is hard. That aspect of suffering is correct, but I, I want to encourage you guys that in all ways that you can suffer with Jesus, or uh, mean, mean, uh, all ways you can experience life with Jesus is available to you. Um, because as Paul would say later on, that he, he, he determined in his heart to know nothing among all of us except for Jesus Christ and his sufferings. Um, and to count that all joy to go through sufferings, as James would say. Because in that place, we will encounter God. In that place, we'll actually get to know Jesus. Um, have you ever been in a relationship with someone long enough that you realize that you don't have what it takes to love them? In all sincerity, like, have, you ever, have you ever recognized that your, um, your preferences uh, don't have enough energy to sustain love? That, that what you desire in this person that you're hanging out with can't give you the love for that person that you'd really like to be able to give, e- even to stick it out. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been in, 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 a, in a relationship for long enough or around people for long enough that, that, um, that you find nothing within yourself naturally that would want to be with that person? I hope that you have, in all honesty, um, because at that point, there is a type of salvation that is there for you. Because the infinite love of God is only revealed when we come in contact with our finite love. And so when we go to this place in our own heart where we're honest, we're like, hey, this person that you're calling me to love, this coworker, colleague, spouse, friend, whatever it might be, I'm, I'm not feeling it, I'm not wanting it, I don't have the will for it, I've got nothing please pray that prayer. And then, and then show me what you got, God. You know, uh, I, am, uh, I am dying for my friend here in this case. I'm laying my life down in this case. You resurrect me. This is 2 Corinthians 1. Like I, I Paul would say that, you know, I, I was so despairing of life you know, because of the psychological and emotional torment that he was going through uh, that, that he wanted to die. And in that place, he said, so that I wouldn't trust in myself, but in God who raises the dead. And so in any place where you feel like you've got nothing to love, nothing to give, no joy, whatever it might be, praise God. (laughs) And then find on the other side of it the well that has no end. And can you be a courageous one to wait on the Lord in that place? John set us up so well last week with that, that message on waiting well with the Lord. Um, waiting sometimes doesn't happen in, in a second. And by the way, the word to wait in the Hebrew is, uh, is also hope. It's wait, hope, and then Paul uses it, love. So we can wait, hope, with love, you know, uh, with God. So there's this hopeful expectation as we, as, as we, as we wait upon God. And, and so, Lord, I, I, I give you my vulnerability. I, I give you this pain that I'm walking through right now. I, I feel abandoned right now. And I know that you were abandoned for me, so I know logically that what I'm experiencing is not reality. We have victory already in all these things through Jesus. I'm just telling you what I feel and what I believe. And I, I can't get past it. But you can. I, 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 I put this up to you. And sometimes in a second, it'll break off. Sometimes it might take some days, some weeks. The temptation of Saul in the Old Testament was that he was called to wait on Samuel to fight the battle. But he, he, waited, he waited as long as he was supposed to, but he didn't keep waiting. And so he presumed and then did what he thought. He, he got back into stage three and, and it did the king thing as opposed to do the son thing. Sons always wait on their dad. We can at all times do that. We see in Hebrews, um, let's see, chapter 10. Uh, Hebrews, by the way, uh, the reason why I'm using that, <clears throat> uh, the, main, the main point of Hebrews is to help prepare God's people to endure. That, that's, that's honestly, that's it. Uh, to persevere and to endure. 
And, and there's, there's a, a secret wisdom. So he, he says, let's put away the, the fundamental things, you know, the, the things that you should know about, about sin and about our resurrection and about, you know, uh, the teaching on, on sacrifice. And instead now move into this place where, uh, you know, where, where there's true maturity. And, and he talks about enduring. And the word is hypomeno in the Greek, uh, which is suffering under or abiding with this, this, this pressure, this weight. And so this call on our lives is there no matter where you want to look at it. The, the call to maturity. So it's, it's Paul's idea of maturity. It's the author of Hebrews' idea of maturity. It is, and I'll argue with this, it's, it is to suffer with the expectation of joy. Because on, on one end of this very narrow pathway, there's the, we're all just suffering Christians. We're all just here in, in, this, in this, you know, hard place, and, and it's just tough to get by. And, and we're going to create a little community of, of, of sufferers. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm trying to make light of it a little bit because sometimes we, we want that to be our identity because it gives us attention. And then we can think we're super Christians because we're suffering so bad for the Lord. Um, you know, th- that's, that's not what the Lord is saying here in this. You know, there is this expectation of joy. There is this expectation of comfort. Paul says specifically, you are afflicted for comfort. It, it's, just, it's, it's together like this in the Greek. So if you're going through it, it's so that you receive that which only God himself can give to you. Yeah. And so if something's not right in your life, and you know, if you've been doing all the things that you normally do, and all of a sudden you, just, you feel like there's a gap between you and God, pause. You're, you're not in a bad plot, place. place. You know, if, you're, if you're obviously sinning, you know, if you're doing things that you know that you shouldn't be doing, then, then first remove that and then, and then see what happens. But I want to challenge you that this stage, this next stage of, of growth, the, the, the journey inward, as it's called typically, is, is a place where you'll experience loneliness, boredom. Your intellect can't get you past it. You know, your, your works can't do it. You, you'll exhaust yourself if you try. Um, and you go through what's called the wall, and there's no way to get through it. There's absolutely no way to get through it except for God leading you step by step in his grace. And, it, and it's, it's a very narrow walk. And you're going to be annoying to certain Christians, and you're going to be annoyed by certain Christians uh, in your community as you walk through that. And so t- sometimes it's best to kind of like actually pull away uh, into smaller groups where people, you know, can, can walk through it with you because sometimes you're going to lose your cynicism by confessing your cynicism. You're going to go through uh, discouragement by confessing your discouragement. To the new believer, that's not going to work really well. <laughs> Woo, but God's amazing! And you're like, yeah, I, I know. Shut up, you know, and <laughs> and we've all been there. Like, like when 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 you're in that wonderful place of gooey goo with the Lord, you know, platitudes are great, you know, you just because it, it, it's real for you. Um, but compassion sets in after we've gone through a season of dying. But you can't get to this wall. But once you get through it with the Lord, there's this like warm, calm place of fearless love that you know can't be taken from you, where you don't, you know, you don't care in whatever context you're in to receive any credit. You don't care if it's one-on-one mentoring for the rest of your life. You're just happy and content with the Lord, and you're, you're truly good. And that's why the, the boisterous claims and clamors that you see so often in our culture and society are those that are oftentimes not certainly in this place of maturity. You know, and the church at large is, is, in my opinion, you know, largely staying in this loop of just doing, 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 doing louder, 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 bigger, 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 and and the call to die with the Lord is 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 small. It's quiet. It's often in, in a place of solitude, and and some of you here are being called into that, and and I, I want us as a body to be a place where whatever stage you're in, you've got a place at the table. You know how to be able to shepherd your own heart and others through a journey of what seems like darkness. It's not darkness. Um, he created the dark. Even the darkness has as light to you. And so if you're going through darkness, confess, this darkness is as light to you, my Lord. Show me the light in this place. And that has saved me many a night to go through it and to, to, to be able to, uh, in faith, just be like, all right, I'm feeling depression. All right. But it's as light to you. So, you know, show me where the light is in the midst of depression. And you'll find a secret joy. Uh, you know, in the midst of exhaustion, uh, sometimes we can't express how happy we truly are inside. So, sometimes if you're, if you're, you know, sick or whatever, you know, and we want God, and we believe that God will always heal, 
Um, but, you know, you're going through it, and you can be comforted better than anyone else can. This is why people that are going through, like, cancer, it's not them that has the hardest issue with it. It's their spouse or their friends because they have a grace to go through it. They're like, hey, I'm telling you what, I, I, don't, I can't explain it, but I've got joy, and I, let me tell you about my Lord. It's, it's the spouse who's not receiving that specific grace that they're having a hard time with it. And that's the reason why. But we get through it, and we get to these later stages. There, normally there's, there's six classical stages of, of Christian maturity where um, the, the stages like five and six, you, you look almost inconsequential to the, to the world. You look like foolishness. This is what Paul talks about in his letters of, of be foolish in the world's eyes. You know, be small, be weak. You know, in that place of weakness, you know, accept these things in your life, and, and you're, you're going to experience the power of God. It may look like you're, you're not making an impact in anybody's life, but that's, that's not the case. You have this secret world of the Lord in you that is so full of radiance of love that the one person that you're called to give it to for the rest of your life, that's, that's all that you care about because you're in this place of constant worship. And it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And as a body, I'd love to see us be able to transition people all the way through these stages, no matter where they are. And so that means at times uh, when you see someone in pain, I want to give the quick answer. I really do, honestly. Um, but, uh, but not. But just sit there and be like, just tell me, tell me about it. Let me know what it is that you're going through. Uh, let me hear your pain. Let me know, you know what sadness you're going through. And we don't always have to have an answer for it. Sometimes in holding that pain with them in eye-to-eye contact in your heart with them, the Spirit comes and they feel a validation. It has been seen and brought to the light. And that validation that I'm not alone is really the only thing that they need in that place. Um, and it can be simple. Let me just say a quiet prayer for you. Lord, my, my, my sister right now feels alone. I, I feel alone with them. Lord, let them know that you're here. That's it. And we can listen. We, we, have, a, we have a highly prophetic culture so that we can at times hear things that are dislodged or that are blocking things. Uh, sometimes that's just a journey between you and the Lord, though. And so going through that that wall, going through that stage is a lot about what it's like. And friends, this to me is what family is like. Um, this is what it is to, to receive the word. Um, and, and Jesus, he says in this, this passage that there's many things I wish to share with you, but they're too difficult to bear. They're too heavy to bear. I believe this is what he's talking about. I believe this is partly what he's talking about. Uh, I believe that there's things that his disciples are about to hear that the Savior is about to die. And they're like, oh, that's terrible. And they couldn't yet hear, and so were you. That would have been too much, you know, because they hadn't experienced their resurrection. They hadn't experienced the power now in them. They hadn't experienced this joy fulfilled in their own life. They hadn't seen the, the, the face of God so lovely that they'd be willing to die yet for him. They were about to be scattered. And, and, and so, you know, we see this in the life of Peter. He's, he's all, you know, boisterous and strong and, and just saying these, these things. There's such a, a conviction in him that it's wonderful. And as you look after the resurrection, he, he actually becomes a little bit subdued. You know, he, he becomes, you know, he's letting James and these people in Galatians kind of like tell him what to do and who he should sit with. And, and uh, you know, he, he's bold in Acts 2 and 4, but there's also like this, this recognition, this reverence, like, hey, I, I thought I knew everything and now I don't. Let me just kind of like humble myself a little bit so that he would say in 1 Peter 1, hey, rejoice when you go through these trials because it will produce in you faith. And what he was, he was wanting to see in his own life was that when the trials were there, what was in him was that he actually did love and believe God. That, that was his great reward, was that as you go through it, you get stripped of everything else. This person doesn't love me. This job isn't working out for me. I'm not finding anything here and there. And it seems like all is lost to me. And yet, I know that I know in my heart that I believe in God. And that is joy inexpressible. And once you have that in you, friends, there is nothing that can stop you from being the light of the world. That is the salt that he's talking about. That is the light in that place. And he'll, the Lord, in his great rich mercy, he will strip those things back and back and back and back and back until that's the one thing that you know about yourself. And so, therefore, you can endure all things like the author of Hebrews would say. So, um, so it seems like a, a somber message, um, but it needs to be told. And so he tells his disciples this. You, you have to hear these words and receive them because about, about what's about to happen to you guys. And, and then for all time, this is the, the inner circle. You know, we, we've, you know, if you want to know how to host the government of the world and nations, this is the conversation. This is what it looks like. 
Are you willing to, to, to serve? Are you willing to, to lay your life down for a friend? Are you willing to die these emotional, anguishing moments of prayer? I mean, if you've heard even the stories of folks like Heidi Baker or Reed John G. Lake, they had such anguish in their heart as they're seeing their prayers not answered for things like healing. And they would continuously go after God. They would continuously feel that pain and let it hit their heart to the point where they, they were, they were, their soul was ripped apart. And in that place, then the Lord would come, in that place of severe honesty with him. And then they were able to bear the weight of that governmental authority. And, that, and that's true for all of us. All of us may be going through times where we feel like, hey, these decisions I'm making to follow you, God, they're, they're not working out at all the way that I was hoping for them to. I, I feel like I put my foot into a whirlwind. And I'm out there, and I don't even know whether it's up or down any longer. You know, I feel like I'm drowning. That, that, that love, that energy that was so present a year ago is gone now. What's wrong with me? This is nothing. This is, this is the darkness that was upon Jesus. Another way of saying it is that you know, he, Jesus would say that my Father is, is invisible. So if you want to know the invisible God, become invisible yourself. You know, there, there's things, there are mysteries like this that are out there that as we let these things go and become hidden in the Lord, we actually see the Lord. So I, I say that to you, hopefully also to relieve a lot of burdens that are in this room. You know, for anybody that might be uh, wondering what's wrong with you, this is what the Lord went through too. And so it's a, he, he came to his own and his own knew him not. So he was misunderstood. He was unknown. He knows what that feels like. And so I just want to ask that the Lord uh, break off all shame and condemnation and guilt that you may have for that in your own walk. But also uh, receive these words because as you do, it'll give you courage to, to wait on him, to hope in him, and to endure with him. That word to, um, to endure in the letter of Hebrews, uh, it's the same word uh, to abide in Christ in John 15, except to abide under you know, uh, this, this, this difficulty. So the point of it, the point of Jesus saying these words is to remain in me even when things get difficult. And the only way to do it, sit around the table with your family and, and let him know your pain. Receive that, that comfort from him or from another as you talk about it. And hold these things up for one another. Does that sound good? All right. Thank you guys for, for, for jumping in there. Again, this isn't, this isn't a message for everybody. But I, I think I felt like there was an invitation out there for some. Um, and regardless, there's going to be preparation for all to jump into it. So let me pray, and we'll get out of here. <clears throat> uh, Father, I, I'm so happy. So happy knowing, Lord, that, that no matter what I or my friends here go through in life, you're right there with me. You, you literally are, are suffering with us. You have joined in with us in this place. And so, Father, I ask that these words right now that are spoken, which are your words, I ask that they would break off the lies that people would believe that, uh, that they're not strong enough, that they've done something wrong, that they truly are alone, that they truly are forgotten or forsaken. I ask that those be, be, be cleansed and removed. Uh, those lies that I, I'm just not measuring up. I, I, I didn't do what he asked me to do. I failed. Whatever it might be, God, that, that some might in here be hearing or, or believing, but I ask that you clear those. And so, Jesus, uh, let me ask it like this, too. How was it that you got through experiencing those same things? And give each one of us that grace. And so, Holy Spirit, shine a light right now on every area in our lives or any area that are in our lives where, you know, we're going through it. We're, we're going through a, an affliction of some sort. We're going through the, the troubles that Jesus talked about of some sort. And, Lord, I, I lift these things up for my friends Jesus, you have felt this. This is what you suffered. And so I ask for there to be fellowship with you right now. So reveal your tender-hearted fellowship with each one of us in what we are suffering right now. Let us, let us hear your voice saying, thank you for walking this out with me. Thank you for being willing And as you stay in that place just for a moment longer, Jesus, I ask then that you would come with your comfort through the Holy Spirit, your anointing now, 
and bring healing and strength. Renew our strength. Now, there was a place where Jesus, just stay here for a moment. There was a place where Jesus was, was bringing these things up, these same pains to the Father. For the Father's sake, for the joy set before Jesus. And this is for all of us here to hear these words. Lord, you heard, you heard from the Father. You became the source of salvation through what you suffered, according to the scriptures. And so, Lord, I, I ask for you, the voice of God, the, the voice of the good shepherd, now to speak life into these places. So hear the voice of their father. Father, thank you that you're pleased with your people, for they are faithful. They've, they've followed your son, Jesus, even here, even today, even in the church. Anoint them now, Lord, I ask, that wherever they now go and hear of someone going through this similar thing, quicken them, remind them, Lord, that they have now the words of God to offer and so, Lord, let your people's light shine so strong, so bright. Let us be able to comfort the afflicted. Thank you, Father, for uniting us together, now no longer purely through pain, but now also now in resurrection, hope and joy, and life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So uh, there may be some that want to have prayer because that was kind of a you know a heavy message so is there a prayer team coming up today there are two coming up for prayer uh two two prayers uh there's one uh so everyone would stand up for a moment and as you go this week uh know that you are the beloved Know that the light of the Lord is upon you. You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. These fine people will pray for you. Um, and everywhere you go, genuinely, you are the delight that the Father rests in you. You are Eden everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message or sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.